Hello and a warm welcome to another Africa Legal podcast. I'm Tom Pearson, Chief Commercial Officer of Africa Legal, and today I am joined by Ikena Onyabuchi of Bain Nation and Africa Legal's very own Scott Cowan. Now, we're going to be running this week's podcast in a slightly novel format in that we are going to be putting ourselves in the hot seat with Ikena asking us some questions in the second half of this podcast after we've had a chance to talk to him about himself, his journey, and the work of BAME Nation. So, Ikenna, Scott, firstly, a very warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Great introduction. And hi, Ikenna. Hey, Scott. Good stuff, gents. So, listen, let's let's dive right into it with a, a little look into the specifics of the work being undertaken by BAME Nation, or BAME Nation, as it's being called. Um, what is it that you actually do at BAME Nation, Ikenna? Give us a bit of a background. Okay, so basically the vision behind BAME Nation was to help young aspiring lawyers navigate the uh, legal industry in England and Wales. And I think this came from the fact that um, we felt that not enough students really understood the process of applying. I mean, like in, in, in university, I suppose there are talks about um, applying to these law firms, but not really mentorship and guidance on how to apply to these law firms. And I think we found that international students, especially of, of being backgrounds, were especially disadvantaged because coming in from a new country can be very daunting, let alone understanding how the system and the legal industry works. So of course. For, yeah. So for me, um, after establishing the Exeter uh, BAME Law Initiative with the co-founder in uh, Exeter and seeing that was a success, um, a friend of mine as well who ran the uh, Exeter BAME Law Initiative with me proposed that we carry it on, but under a different name and not just um, sort of uh, specific to Exeter, but to the wider BAME community. And we do this by publishing articles, commercial awareness articles every week. And every two weeks, um, talking about topical um, issues that law students may want to um, know more about. Fantastic. And and this is a, a an issue very, very close to your heart. Um, you know, you yourself having been an, an international student. So let's tell our listeners a little bit more about your your personal journey and how, how this actually kind of came into mind and came to fruition. Yeah, I think you're right in saying that it's 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 very personal to me because um so I moved from Nigeria when I was eleven years old, um, and I went to boarding school. And I suppose I had a great time, but coming into university, it was quite, um, I had to navigate um, and understand the the legal, the legal system, um, especially as I didn't really want to do law at the time. <laughs> um, I think coming from an African background, it's very common that law is almost, uh, is, is definitely the first career option, either being a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer. So for me, I was the lawyer in the family. Um, and I think it was really second year that I realized that I needed to know why I wanted to do law. Um, not least because I was applying to a lot of law firms and not really getting anywhere because the why commercial law question was always a struggle for me. 
And I think after third year, graduating, um, having come to work with Africa Legal as an intern, I really understood that the legal industry was a bit more than just practicing the law, um, uh, be it corporate or litigation, as is often sold at universities. I think to me it was more about, um, to me the law was more about understanding businesses and uh, have, finding ways to sort of find solutions to uh, business issues. And that's what I really liked about the law. And so after third year, I really understood why I, I liked the law and I wanted to uh, practice law. And I think shortly after that, I then also realized that um, commercial awareness and the application process isn't as daunting as it, it first seems. And I think I got I, I got mentors and um, just people in law firms to really coach me through the process. And through this, for me, I wanted to make it a lot easier for law students in university so they didn't have to graduate and then feel lost. I wanted to make it easier for them to understand the process from early on. For sure. Yeah. I think I think a lot of our listeners will be in the the same boat. And um, you know, I had a chuckle to myself that it, it only took three years of a law degree <laughs> to realize that you did want to actually be involved in the law. So yeah. so ha- where has the journey gone from there? You obviously completed your your LLB at Exeter University. We were very pleased to have you with us for a short period of time um at Africa Legal as as one of our interns. So what wh- what what are you up to now? What's the future looking like um i think right now um i'm looking to qualify uh well secure a training contract hopefully um and uh very fortunately i secured two internships at big city law firm so hopefully through that i can secure a training contract and then i suppose begin my begin my uh law career yeah Fantastic. So what, what's going on with the uh, the summer VAC schemes or vacation schemes as, as they're known at the moment? Because um, I know how pleased you were to have secured, uh, you know, a couple of those, which is to be applauded. Are, are they still going ahead under all of this craziness from COVID? Are they going digital? How's it all being organised? Well, I think a lot of law firms are um, going digital. So I think Clifford Chance was the first law firm to announced that they'd gone virtual and i've been receiving a lot of supporting emails to say that regardless of what's happening um the vacation schemes will be going on uh albeit i mean whether it be through virtual a virtual process or having to postpone it to later on in the year so yeah for sure i think with with the firm i secured uh they've been very supportive um so yeah Fantastic. And and I know that Bain Nation are focused on engaging with both aspiring lawyers already in the UK, but also those in other jurisdictions who are still looking at their options, considering, uh, you know, their legal career. So, so regardless of where our, uh, you know, your target audience are, what advice do you have to these, you know, BME law students, wherever they are currently studying? Um, I think from my experience, one thing I've seen that's really benefited me is trying new things and different things. So um, even though I couldn't get a vacation scheme or internships in big city firms for three years at university, I did get 
um, work experience in Nigeria at two firms in Nigeria and uh, also a tech, for, a tech company in Nigeria and also um, secured high street law firms here in England as well. So for me, my advice would be to sort of get as much experience as you can because when it comes to talking about it at interviews, uh, especially with big city global firms, they tend to be quite impressed um, when you've worked in multiple jurisdictions and also tend to be quite impressed if you've had a wealth of experience. So I think not focusing on where you are now and just so, sort of focusing on the goal and trying to build as much experience as possible to enable you to talk about it. Fantastic. And and I feel like it's that diversity of experience that you've just talked about, which really allows individuals to stand out, you know, not just looking at law firms for experience, but look at businesses, look at tech organizations, look at, you know, NGOs, look at charities who could benefit from from your insight as as a, uh, you know, developing and aspiring lawyer. And that itself has has framed kind of your thinking on your future career in law, because I know from our previous conversations you're not just looking at you know becoming another uh cookie cutter lawyer for want of a better phrase you're actually looking at some different options so so for the benefit of our readers why don't you outline some of those options that are still open to you some that you're exploring um so i think after working at africa legal actually (laughs) um i started to read more into the diversity in the legal in the legal industry so uh, I read, for example, Richard Susskind, uh, that talks a lot about the evolving lawyer and skills that lawyers want to pick up. And I think things such as design thinking and thinking more from a perspective of the client and how to offer, offer a client more cost-effective services, but just in a, in, just in a faster, more efficient way. And so for me, it's more, I I look into the legal technology um, part of law, and I find that very interesting because technology is changing the world and uh, concepts like data analytics and artificial intelligence very much appeal to me as a person. So I'm not just looking to practice black letter law, but also understand how technology is shaping the legal industry. Um, and changing the legal industry and creating more avenues to practice within the legal industry. Fantastic. And I, I know that's one of the uh, questions you want to put to us later to go into a yeah. bit more more detail. So we'll uh, we'll wait with bated breath to see if we can further illuminate that. Yeah. Now, now, earlier you mentioned how how we all know, regardless of your ethnic or, or socioeconomic background, the law can seem like quite an inaccessible place at, at times. You know, the walls seem quite high, the gates seem quite locked. So with BAME students in particular mind, what is it that we can all do collectively, whether it's academic institutions, independent organizations like Africa Legal or BAME Nation to ensure that BAME students aren't further disadvantaged, um, especially during these these strange times? What is it that's needed to ensure that we encourage the interest and allow for the accessibility for BAME students in particular? Um, I think uh, the key, in my opinion, is inclusivity. Because I think 
um, when institutions talk about diversity and in, in, inclusivity, I think they talk more about the diversity aspect of things. And that's where my colleagues and I, when we established Extra Bame Law, we saw that at university, it was, it was, it was one thing to include, uh, sorry, to build a diverse body, but another thing to include them and make them feel that they can be themselves and inc uh, make them feel included in the community. So I think in terms of uh, making the legal industry more accessible, is almost sort of encouraging people to be who they are, um, regardless of where they come from, and um, allowing them to feel heard and valued. Um, and I also think BAME students can also pick up, pick up new skills and try new things. So that after COVID, for example, after the pandemic, you could walk into uh, an interview and sort of say the things you've learned from your experiences, as opposed to sort of going off the, I like your firm because of its culture. Because I think playing on the culture bit can be a bit risky because it's something that most firms use to market themselves. Oh yeah, we're a diverse um, institution, uh, organization. But I think if you can come with the fact that, okay, you've gotten involved in diversity initiatives, but also um, build certain skills up, I think that sort of makes you stand out a bit more. And so I think firms can also learn from that and understand that, you know, work more on the inclusive aspect as opposed to just building a diverse workforce. Absolutely. And and what are some of the things you've seen firms do that allow practically for this inclusivity to be understood and realized by applicants? Um, you know, have they rolled out certain events? Have they rolled out certain schemes that have allowed BAME students such as yourself to actually feel a genuine commitment to exclusivity and diversity rather than it just being another tick box exercise that they feel they have to do? I think um, there have been events I've been to and I think when when I can see someone like myself being very candid and genuine about their experiences, it really does motivate me and inspire me as a as a black and uh, black young man, because I think sometimes BAME, BAME students can feel a bit disconnected um, from the legal industry when you see sort of the um, old white men in sort of a, a partnership level. But for, for some students, they see people like them and they sort of see that people have gone through the same hurdles, but still been able to sort of be successful despite all of that and almost shine a more positive light on it than just focusing on the negativity. So I think firms holding events such as uh, like that can really, it can really help and put a more positive and inspirational spin on things. Fantastic. So it's, it's a showcasing point, you know, rather than just looking at words and expression and stats and figures, let's actually you know, showcase the the black excellence that so many firms have, mm. but isn't often brought to the forefront in that way. It's it, it's fantastic insight, Ikenna, and we, we really thank you for it. Now, mm -hmm. 
on on to uh, it's it's kind of your time to grab the mic now, Ikenna. You're uh, you're you're going to be turning the spotlight onto onto us. Uh, so so be kind and be yeah. gentle. Um, I'll, I'll take a step back and um, I'll hand it over to you. Why don't you fire off some of some of your questions that you're interested in and and you think your uh, your Bane Nation audiences will be too. Okay, that's great. Thank you, thank you very much, Tom. Um, so uh, we were wondering. Um, what was the motivation behind Africa Legal uh, and your vision behind it? I cannot. Um, it's a pleasure to have you uh, involved in the podcast today. And I've got to say, every time I hear uh, um, your journey, it, it, it really, truly inspires me. Um, you know, uh, Tom and I actually did a, um, a webinar yesterday and uh, a lot of the stuff that you've mentioned uh, kind of sits with the, the content around uh, the webinar yesterday. and. I know that what you're doing will, will, will give people much easier access um, and understand actually the process. So I, I take my hat off to you guys at BAME Nation. Um, so it's, 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 it's a pleasure. Um, the motivation behind Africa Legal. Look, um, as a Scotsman, um, my passion for Africa started about six years ago. Um, and I... I, I I, I, we were working on the continent um, and uh, it, it became quite clear to me very, very quickly that there was not one focal point um, for law firms, for students, for in-house counsel to, to access um, information, um, uh, articles, um, and really there was no kind of community around uh, the continent that the legal community could actually truly call a community yeah. and and one of one of our passions for setting this up was actually to be to be the first to create a truly pan-african uh, legal community where it would encourage cross-border um, communication it would encourage uh, young lawyers in Nigeria uh, for instance to converse and understand what the the young lawyers in Kenya or Ghana or South Africa or Tanzania were doing mm. and it became it became a passion for us um so myself and and my co-founder Wendy Bampton set upon this journey Africa Legal's two years old by the way um this month and oh, it's, it's been happy. a it's been a it's been a happy birthday yes it's been a, an incredible journey but but really the motivation to answer the question simply was to create a pan-African legal community that gave people access to to articles, to to jobs, and, and really quite important for us is learning. Um, and I'm glad to say that we're sat here today with, you know, looking up to 180 or 200,000 people um, in the community now. And we're, 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 we've, we've got a, we've got a very loyal um, uh, community and a community that loves to to hear things like your story, um, and That's for it. us to be a platform that can enable everyone to have a voice and really, really showcase the true entrepreneurism and legal talent that exists across the whole continent. That that was our motivation. Wow, that's 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 amazing. I think, yeah, I think it's it's almost crucial, especially from a student's perspective. Because I think as an international student, um, young people want to make a difference in Africa and almost uh, revolutionize the, uh, uh, the continent. So I think it's amazing um, what Africa Legal is doing. 
No, that, that that's kind. It's uh, and it's something that we're very passionate about. Um, certainly, um, myself, Tom, and, and Wendy and the team. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. So next question. Um. So, I understand that Africa Legal looks to promote and pioneer change of how legal services are delivered in Africa. Um. So, how would you say it's been received overall? Um. And what would you say that the future of uh, legal business holds in the African market? Uh, good question. Um, let's let's kind of focus on the beginning or uh, about um, being a pioneer. I wouldn't say we're a pioneer. What we are is a facilitator. Mm. Um, I think um, the legal profession is 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 probably uh, is a profession that that sometimes forgets it's in the service industry, and you know, picking on what you said before about some of the um, the law firms um, and their brand. It's all about branding. Um, with all due respect, they all offer the same service uh, mm. internally, albeit at different um, uh, different levels. But for, for us, I think the most important thing here is, is we've had to actually almost educate the market that actually using technology is not a hindrance. Mm. It's actually, it can help people and you can access more um, more clients, you can access more students, you can access more, more readership. Um, so, 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 so building building the platform, which uh, for us uh, again it goes back to the vision of Africa Legal, um, was was using technology to do just that. So I think, unfortunately, it's taken something like a a COVID to actually make the market understand that actually technology is not something that we should be scared of. And actually yeah. it should be part of our daily lives in, in one pan-Africanizing, um, you know, a law firm, for instance, in Lagos, uh, or even globalizing that brand uh, and the ability to reach more clients, potential clients and potentially more secure, more um, young lawyers for their team. So, Unfortunately, as I said before, COVID has 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 kind of forced everyone's hand. Um, yeah, we, we knew it was coming, but 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 technology is here to stay. Um, and so, what does that look for the future of 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 legal business on the continent? That that's that's a great question in itself, and we could spend a long time discussing that. I think. Look, we've recently done the the uh, the the first ever general council forum um, with the mining in Daba. And uh, it's it's a, a, a very well respected 25, 26 years, I think it might be, Tom, um, uh, a business. Um, and it brings in uh, both private equity, lawyers, bankers, miners from all over the globe and all uh, descend on Cape Town in the beginning of February. And for us, uh, that that was six or seven thousand people going through the uh, Cape Town International Conference Centre. Um wow. That's not going to happen um, very quickly. Yes, we hope it will be. It'll hope it will be there next year. But certainly, over the next few months, events and gatherings of such size just will not happen. Ikena. Yeah. So, yeah. so we have to use the the technology that's out there, yeah. and and still facilitate those kind of conversations and conferences mm. by using tech. And I think I really do hope that when we emerge from this COVID, everyone's had a time of reflection on terms of actually, do I need to jump on that plane 
to go and see my clients, um, you know, all the time? Or can we just use technology? Um, yeah. So I think I do think that actually it's going to change the way that businesses and law firms position themselves to clients. But it's also mm. it's also going to change our perception as 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 people within the legal market, and especially with the younger lawyers. Um, and that's what excites me about what you're doing at Bain. Uh, you know, mm. it's the younger lawyers who who use tech all the time, and I think that actually, you know, with all due respect, it's the younger ones who are going to have to teach us older ones how to how yeah. to embrace it a little bit more without any fear. So, you know, in a roundabout way, I think yes, the the markets are going to change incredibly, and and law firms are actually catching up with other professions by embracing technology. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, such a valid point. I, I think because even when we were starting off BAME Nation, we were quite worried about the physical aspect of things. Yeah, uh, a lot of people, because um, especially within the legal industry, lots of events are normally held in gatherings. But we chose a more online platform to sort of interact with a range of people, and I think it's quite interesting that COVID has happened at the at the same time as all. Yeah, because I've heard before. I mean, I I go back to what you were saying before. I mean, you mentioned something about um, um, coming out of comfort zones and 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 you know and, and doing things. And I think, you know, this this is technology is going to enable people to to really increase the the legal skills um, outside of the normal boundaries. Um, and by using technology, maybe it's not so daunting to actually come out of your comfort zone. Thank you, Scott. Um, so the next question will be, um, do you believe that there's a difference in the way traditional law firms interact with legal technology and the way legal service startups like Africa Legal um, might interact with technology and why? Okay, so I hear the buzzword legal technology, which means that I feel absolutely obliged to to field this one. And, and, and it's a really good question. I think... It's not so much about looking at the word traditional law firm. It's about a lot of this has to do with the age of the firm. Okay. Now, Africa Legal was born into and via technology. So we're a business that has everything from web hosting to content management to customer relationship management to using VOIP software rather than a hard telephone line. Yeah everywhere down to email absolutely entwined into its very essence we would not exist and couldn't exist if it wasn't for technology yeah. now apply that same thinking to a traditional law firm to, to coin that phrase this is a business that can deliver its goods and services um entirely <laughs> at a push without technology yeah. but a lawyer can sit opposite a client um, in a room um, just about using electricity and, 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 and deliver the core of their product, which is legal advice, okay? Yeah. So you're looking at two business models, one of which has technology intertwined into its very essence and another one where technology almost has to be retrofitted mm. to enable and enhance the delivery of something that can take place fully offline. Yeah. So... Those law firms and, and African law firms in a huge way, young, new African law firms are born into technology. Yeah. You know, these are people of an age who have always been the connected generation. They've been using email, um, video editing, um, you know, 
relationship management, Excel word, you know, the list goes on from from birth, pretty much. So it almost seems natural for them to build their law firm and the delivery of their services with technology at its very heart. Mm. So the, the question's a good one, but the answer very much depends on which law firm you're talking about. Is it a very traditional law firm that is retrofitting technology to enhance, which is absolutely doable, absolutely doable? Or is it a younger, more nimble um, law firm, the likes of which we're seeing fly out of Nigeria, Uganda, Rwanda, at a a great rate, Kenya, um, at a superb speed, who are born in the fires of technology as new legal services and, and and community building exercises like Africa Legal are. So so great question. Um and that that that's my thoughts thoughts on that. It really does depend hmm. what kind of firm you're talking about. All right, all right, thank you. Um so then how do you think the role of young lawyers in Africa will change over time? I can that's a that's that's a great question. Um I think Look, I think what you're doing at BAME is 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 is, is just the start, and it shows the appetite that that um, the young lawyers and young uh, students have in um, increasing their almost personal branding. Now, I, you know, I I pick up and I I really um, applaud you for for what you're doing at BAME because it's, I think it's so important that in today's markets and even the future legal markets you've got to you've got to be seen as not just a lawyer you've also got to be seen as a commercial business person um who who people will trust and rely on to deliver uh the rule of law to whatever deals that they're looking for you to to do at that time you know i've seen a i'm unfortunately old enough to have been around for some time and uh and seen a lot of changes, uh, certainly in the the European and the US markets, where um, you know people started uh, being pigeonholed into certain specialisations. So it used to be banking and finance, and then it became derivatives of banking and finance and securitisation, yeah. structuration. You know, at the time, yes, uh, the, the global markets were in a kind of bull market, and that was the thing to do. But I always felt that that was going to be something that would would come back and, and, and have a negative impact on, on, on the businesses. Um, and indeed, mm-hmm. some of the lawyers who had chosen to or been pushed into doing that, uh, that kind of blinkered role. I, my firm belief, especially with the Continental Free Trade Agreement coming into effect in July, you know, whatever that looks like, um, and I know there's a lot of uh, work to be done around the sides in terms of negotiations and trade, etc. But you know we're passionate um, uh, about pan-Africanism, and okay. and for us, I think, and and when we've had this conversation before, I kind of, um, yeah, and yeah. it's good to share it with our audiences today about really make, making making sure that you can get as much experience in mm. every part of your life that enables you to be a more robust young lawyer, and yeah. and really cope in, in a market which is is you know, is is global. You know, the the, glo- the the world is getting smaller through technology, like we're using uh, Zencast or Zoom or whatever. Um, yeah. And you know, law firms are having to change their 
their views of how they're perceived in the market and become more internationalized. Um, so I think from our point of view, the young lawyers today, I would encourage every young budding lawyer or recently um, uh, uh, um, uh, trained um, lawyer to, 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 to really look at themselves and see, okay, I need to, if I'm a Nigerian lawyer and I've just completed and I've qualified as a, as a, as a lawyer today, what else can I do today that will make me better tomorrow? And I would say absorb as much cross-border and international experience as you can, whether that be through e-learning, through Africa Legal, who, who um, through the partnerships with University of Cape Town, um, whether that's looking at um, consuming content, just reading, like Tom was saying, reading about these these law firms who are, who are shooting up all over the conf, uh, over the com, um, the the continent, sorry, um, who have left larger law firms and they're taking that plunge of faith using technology and pushing forward and really embracing this this truly pan Africanism. So I think it's important nowadays that really you 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 absorb as much as you can. You have to come out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You have to step out of that comfort zone. No one embraces change easily, let alone the legal profession. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to come out of your comfort zone and you have to put yourself, your head above above the water and actually take a chance and say, actually, what am I doing today that's going to make a difference tomorrow? And that's that, I, that's an advance. Sorry, Tom. I can no, no. I just, I was just going to chime in. Um, I've got a, a you know some some pretty strong feelings here. If we we're looking at how the role of the young lawyer in Africa is going to change over time, mm-hmm. I think they'll either, they're either well all over the world actually. I think they're either going to be listened to, yeah. or they're going to leave people in their dust. <laughs> I think there's, there's 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 I think there's two options. So you've got tech enabled, forward thinking, creative, entrepreneurial young lawyers being produced and producing themselves at a record rate, particularly in the African markets that we're mostly focused on. Now, law firms and legal services providers have two choices. They can either sit down, listen and learn on a two-way street. You know, they, they have things to learn and they have things to teach. They need to understand that. They need to put the strict hierarchical pyramid scheme of, of, of you, take on board a load of um, associates. Some of them rise to the top and become partner. Some of them just drop out. You know, that's almost got to be flipped on its head because if they don't give these young, fantastic potential and current lawyers the right time and the right respect, those lawyers will, and they already are saying, okay, thanks very much. Actually, you're a bit too rigid for us. We're just going to do it ourselves. You know, I've got, fantastic law firm clients in Nigeria, in Uganda in particular, who have taken three years of experience at a large law firm, not enjoyed the culture, not enjoyed the kind of work and respect they were getting and said, okay, we'll do it ourselves. And these are firms that are eating the lunch of the big, tired, you know, large law firms that aren't moving quickly with the change. They are tech enabled. They're adaptive. They're speaking the language that the the unicorn clients that the big firms really want the fintech yeah. the drone delivery the fiber optic you know b 
businesses, they speak the same language. Yeah. And those clients are going over to these new young law firms in droves. So, so my biggest point around how the role is changing is they'll either be listened to or they'll be leaving a lot of people in their dust. Yeah, yeah. Tom, yeah, I, Tom I, I just sorry, Ken, I just want to jump in there because I can. I think it's important for for your audience to understand as well. Do you know we're talking about the the young lawyers? I actually feel that actually um, there's a lot that the older lawyers can learn from the younger lawyers. Okay, mm-hmm. and I think I think we have to be humbled enough to accept that actually, you know, certainly of my age and 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 uh, and above. Um, we, I remember when computers first came out, I can, you know, and I had no idea. And I always thought that, that they were going to, this was going to be a passing fad. Little did we know we'd be here today. But, you know, I think we also have to be humbled enough to understand that actually, Tom, you said this before, the young, the young lawyers today and students have grown up with technology. And there is mm-hmm. so much that the young lawyers can give the established partners and help and enhance their practices as well. So I think we've got to be humbled enough for, for uh, at the senior level to actually understand that actually there's a lot we can learn yes. from the youngsters. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it, it's 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 it has to be a two way thing. I think I, I definitely agree. Yeah, definitely. And and I also I also think as well. I'm I'm so passionate about this. There has you've got to get as much experience as you can, um, and the lawyers, uh, the successful uh, lawyers of the future, will be, the, will be those who have had experience in cross continent exposure as well. So the, the, they understand that they've done some some deals in Ghana, Rwanda, or Tanzania. Uh, I think the Pan Africanism and the, and certainly the CFTA going forward is going to make for a, a skill set that will require the future young lawyers to have a, a more rounded um, uh, experience and not just to their own jurisdiction. So I would encourage people um, to do as much as they can to to get as many qualifications as they can to qualify in other jurisdictions. Um, mm. And I think that's important. Tom, that's something that possibly you could mention as well with uh, with Barbary. Absolutely. I think, you know, we, we work with, with Barbary who provide um, uh, training on cross-qualification. So whether it's under the uh, Qualified Lawyer Transfer Scheme, soon to become the solicitor's uh, qualifying exam in the UK or US bar exams, it's just another example of how looking outside the box, thinking about developing yourself internationally can, can benefit. And there are providers that are, are, are there ready and waiting to help facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly encourage people to look down that kind of route as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so the final question I was, uh, we had for you was, so practically then, how does Africa Legal look to shed light on the opportunities um, for innovation? in Africa um, to the Western world? Great question. And I'm going to, I'm going to be my usual pedantic self and pick (laughs) holes with, with some of the wording. So I like the idea of shedding light on opportunities for innovation, but I'm also going to start with how they can learn from the pure innovation, which is taking place in Africa. You know, Africa doesn't rely on and doesn't need potentially to rely on Western observers looking at opportunities for innovation when they have so much to teach the Western world around innovation itself. 
You know, it's easy to forget that this is the continent that skipped the landline because it was it was already irrelevant by the time, uh, you know, their 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 need for data uh, consumption and data transfer was was coming into fruition. And it so happened that mobile phones were already around. So they looked at that and said, well, why on earth do I need to dig up a big street to get the data I need when I already have something in my hand? So, you know, coming late to the party on some technology has actually allowed Africa to then leapfrog um, irrelevant technologies. And we're seeing this with the utilization of everything from from satellite-driven 4G and 5G connectivity to the fiber optic um, uh, ambitions of the continent being led by the likes of, of Liquid Telecom. Um, you know, this is this is a industrious, entrepreneurial driven continent of, of of people. So, one major point there is let's look at the kind of innovations that are coming out, and even in the legal tech field, yeah. you know, I'm seeing technology come out of. Uh, you know, Nigeria is a great example. There are some homegrown African legal tech businesses, and there's a great one called Next Council. Mm. So they've built from scratch a modular-based case and content and customer relationship management tool for the local legal market, which is accessible, affordable, entirely cloud-hosted, so anyone with a web connection can access it. So there are fantastic examples of innovation, specifically in the legal sector, coming out of Africa at at rate. Now, going back to the specific question, how does Africa Legal see our role in in shedding light on this this innovation and opportunities to develop it further? It's simply through, through content. Mm. content in a variety of formats you know content everything from the news that we publish every single day on the on the on the website to interviews to analysis to case studies to the podcast that we're producing right now yeah. to our digital learning suite that we we host online and are expanding at a, a, a dramatic rate across 2020 from the video content we put out from the events that we partner with so content is as the absolute key you know, content, it's a a double-pronged uh, solution solver. If we produce enough quality content that will f- entirely freely accessible for the vast most part, that will bring the, the size of the community that we want to and need to, which in turn allows us access to further information and, f- and, and further ideas to produce even more content. So what we're seeing is a real snowball effect with, with our content production and the benefit we're able to to deliver to our markets with that the larger our audiences get the more content we produce the larger our audiences they get the more novel formats we can deploy and roll out the greater engagement we get the more data we have to inform what to write about where to write about you know what, what how to present that in the most accessible format so so we we are simply the the torch Mm. that shines the light on on things that are already happening. But in a way, we also hope to be what Scott has already alluded to, which is a facilitator. So really building the communities, presenting the ideas and inspiring new ways of thinking and new ways of doing across our audiences, which is, again, on a a global and pan-African basis. All right. I I think that's... I mean, I can definitely say for myself, um, having... Uh, being a very dedicated reader of Africa Legal, I think I've very much learned a lot of um, uh, things myself from the African market. 
Um, Fantastic. Well, we, we, we thank you very much for yeah. the uh, the kind words and that the check is in the post, Ikenna. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been great because I remember um, preparing for an interview and I needed to find out more about the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement and Africa Legal was my first port of call. Yeah. fantastic to hear yeah. it's a great soundbite for us well well listen i would i would like to thank ui kenner for joining us today and also to scott for finding the time it's no that's an- great Tom. it's been great i can it's been so good to catch up with you and uh when all this is is returns to some kind of normal we we must hook up yeah definitely definitely thank you thank you so much for enter, uh having bame nation entertaining entertaining us and um it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure thank you thank you and to our listeners uh please be aware that this podcast is going to be hosted on the usual africa legal channels so that's via soundcloud and our dedicated podcast service on spotify um so thank you so much for joining us um as always keep an eye out for those future Uh, podcast episodes and this one in particular is going to be hosted via BAME Nation channels as well. Um, If our listeners have any topics or guests who you would love to have us feature please feel free to contact us via Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn or the email details which are available on the Africa Legal website and without further ado until next time I've been Tom Pearson and this has been the Africa Legal Podcast. (laughs)